0: This is Collected Clan, Episode 4.
1: And you know what it is? What I really think that it is is the. There's so much beauty in randomness.
0: Welcome to Collected Clan, the podcast about outstanding people I've met along the way. People with interesting stories, triumphs, ideals. People who've made their mark in the world and in my life. I'm your host, Gregory Byerline. I've met a lot of people over the years and many people come and go. Shakespeare wrote, All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. But these people are the company that you keep. Everyday people, just like you and me. If I remember... You come from Kansas, is that right?
1: Yes.
0: Is it even more accurate to remember that you are from liberal Kansas?
1: Liberal Kansas. Okay, the
0: reason (laughs) I remember that, not like in stalker form, but I remember when we first met, you had said that, and I had been in liberal Kansas when I was in college, like literally the one time I was there, I was like, hey, I've been there, because it's got all the (laughs) Wizard of Oz stuff.
1: Yes, it's the home of Dorothy's house.
0: That it is. And I had to chuckle when we were there because I was on tour with a music group from college. And the college I attended is Liberal Arts College with the Assemblies of God denomination. The school was called then, it was called Evangel College. Now it's called Evangel University uh, because it has grown up and now has graduate degrees. So we were performing at Liberal Assembly of God. Which just always made me chuckle.
1: Yes. Because it's the only
0: liberal assembly of God I have ever come across. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> I know, there's so much fun to be had. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what's even more fun, and a little off color, but it was hysterical, because we were in college and it made us chuckle, And we, which basically means we were in junior high for the third time, is the abbreviation <laughs> is liberal ass of God, but... <laughs> I actually saw that written somewhere and I was like,
1: (laughs) that's hilarious.
0: So anyway, that and visiting all the Dorothy stuff is my, uh, and, and, and you are my connections to liberal Kansas.
1: Yeah. And I just wonder if I heard you sing because I went to the assembly of God. That's, that was my home church. Wow. Were you singing?
0: That explains so much. Um, yes. I was yes, I was with okay, okay. I take that back. I've been there twice because I was with two groups. One was with the Evangel Concert Choir, probably sang at that at that same church. So it would have been.
1: You remember what year?
0: Oh, okay. Let me think. Let me do the math. I'm going to age myself like a good <laughs> fine wine, um, and that would be a Brunello. Thank you very much. Um, I graduated in '92. So it would have been summer of 90 or school year of 90, spring break of 90, whenever we did concert choir tour. And yeah. then I went back through with an ensemble called Frontline, which is basically our college version of Truth, if you remember that group. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just a smaller ensemble. And that would have been summer of 89.
2: Yep.
1: I know, I know that I, I, know that I saw you. I know I saw you sing because I remember Evangel College coming through there, and I was trying to decide what college I was going to, and I graduated from high school in '89. Okay. So, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. So you're you're a year after me from high school. Yep. So I entered uh, Evangel fall of '88. Yeah. I've been in your uh, home church building.
2: Twice. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> I could pull up pictures of concert choir tour when we were at all the Dorothy stuff because I remember one of our um, the one of the bases in the choir was also a football player for the school. Huge, ginormous guy with a heart larger than he is.
2: Um, <laughs> oh. He's just an
0: amazing human being. But I remember he had on a knee brace, like one of those huge thing to go half up your thigh and down below your cap, like external and exoskeleton. And it squeak every time we walked. It was like, <laughs> ring, 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 So I have hereby dubbed him the Tin Man, because that's where I heard it squeak when nice. we were in Liberal Kansas. And I have a picture of him standing with the Tin Man statue out there. Anyway, so that's my, yeah, that's my Liberal Kansas story. Love it. And I'm sticking Perfect. to it. So that's how, all that to say is that's how I remember you being from Liberal Kansas, because All that went through my head in about a nanosecond
1: when you introduced
0: yourself and said you were from liberal Kansas.
1: It's so funny that I would tag my hometown when I introduced myself in Nashville when I was, what, 26 years old. I loved growing up there. It was a great place to grow up.
0: That's cool. What was it like?
1: It was uh, very laid back, very conservative, (laughs) which is really funny, Um, but... You know, small town, and I definitely was a small town mindset, and especially growing up in a small town church, on top of that... But it um, was a
0: liberal church.
1: And I know, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was not allowed to listen to any secular music of any kind, and so I grew up on Amy Grant and Michael Debbie Smith and... Um, I don't know if you remember Petra and Oh Girl. And I, I, I know
0: all that. That's yeah. why I'm in Nashville.
1: Yes, that was my that was my musical upbringing. Yeah. So and depending yeah, on I'm,
0: the album, was not so bad of a musical upbringing.
1: Oh, true. Yes.
0: So how did you get to Nashville?
1: Well, it it interesting. It's the music connection. So I grew up listening to i mean, really Amy Grant was my my voice of reason. I think my voice of truth throughout my uh, childhood and growing up into a young adult and probably the bridge from a small conservative church in the middle of nowhere to the city of grace in Nashville, which is what I call it because I, I truly believe it is a city of grace and I, yeah, I wanted to be her. (laughs) That's why I came here. I wanted to be Amy Grant. There's just, there's just no two ways about it. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a singer songwriter and I actually had some success at a, a songwriting conference that I went to and a couple of my songs got noticed and I, uh was introduced to Dan Keene, who is an ASCAP guy, and mm-hmm. he's awesome, and he invited me to town and showed me the ropes and showed me around, and I was riding with a lot of cool people, and never forget the day that John Mays uh, told me, Bethany, you're about 10 years ahead of your time. <laughs> nice. So I know, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> It's like, well, you could either start writing a little differently or, and I'm like, I, I can't write it any different. It's just me. The I, the I just,
0: translation there is, we don't know what to do with you because you are a square <laughs> peg and we're trying to fill a round hole. Um,
1: yeah, something like that.
0: So dumb it down, Bethany.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, it... Um, it's what it that sounds dumb. like. No. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. But, you know, it worked itself out in the best way, because obviously that's that's what happens. I truly believe when you're following God's path for your life or what you feel like God's path for your life is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any way you can mess that up, even though I'm queen of reckless. And, you know, the my personality type is like the free spirit. You know, that's what. I'm the ultimate free spirit and you'd think I could mess something up like that. But after I decided that songwriting wasn't going to be my thing, I very quickly stumbled onto chocolate and, um, never looked back from that and found a way to be creative and tell my stories and, and, uh, get my point across in a way that I never would have been able to, um, you know, plugged into that round peg hole you're talking about. Yeah. So it's a very kind of liberating and free um, vehicle to be in, is the, the chocolate vehicle, because it's literally anything goes, you know?
0: Yeah. So about this chocolate thing, um, if I am ever tried for anything crazy that I commit when I'm on chocolate, I am totally going to point my finger at you because you're the one who started my addiction to fine artisan chocolate.
1: I love that. That
0: (laughs) So you're going to be my phone a friend at at (laughs) night court. Or if I'm in a drunken stupor from chocolate
2: lying in a ditch,
0: I would say she did it.
1: Uh, I'll come get you. I'll bail you out.
0: It's like, I'm, I'm totally that Alfred Molina character in Chocolat <laughs> the movie when he just, he gets yes. that little bit of chocolate on his lips and then he just goes nuts. Yeah.
2: Yes.
0: Yes.
1: I love that movie. Which, Which by the way,
0: I- we totally need to stage some sort of thing and that be someone's prize.
1: Totally. When I agree.
0: When they, they can, like, just, just dive headfirst into a, Bethany chocolate display.
1: Love it. I'm all for it.
0: <laughs> God, I love that movie.
1: I know. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I would say it, it might be, you know, it, it's, it's between Moulin Rouge and Chocolat. Oh. They, they both kind of have a similar theme. Yes. And a similar, I guess, uh, story when it comes down to just the root of what the movies are trying to convey. Yep. And they both just, oh, just strike a chord with me.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. Megan and I could totally go down a Moulin Rouge rabbit trail, and this conversation would come back on track in about 30 minutes.
2: <laughs> totally.
0: <clears throat> love that movie also. So uh, and the funny thing about that Alfred Molina character is, uh, as soon as I said I'm totally that character, I like, well, no, I'm really not because I don't really like the character, but, man, I love that epiphany he had.
1: I know. When that it's little
0: sliver film. of chocolate just landed on his lip, I'm like,
1: freedom! No. <laughs> it is brilliant. It is just brilliant in every way. And the movie really conveys exactly what I'm trying to do with chocolate in some ways, you know, but with my life, with just trying to free up the, the the not the chains, but just the, the binds, the bounds, the whatever it is that You feel like when you're raised in a a small town church with the small town ideas and the judgments and you're put into this little box and then breaking out of that box and realizing that God is still there and you're the person who He created and that's okay and you know, discovering all of those things which I discovered when I came to Nashville is really just so beautiful but that movie just conveys it in such a way the humanity of christ rather than the divinity of christ it's just it's just brilliant it gets me every
0: yes well the cool thing about that is that's those are the two sides of the coin
1: Mm -hmm. the
0: humanity and the divinity yep so it is that literally the answer to why chocolate
1: yeah i think it is is it
0: for real Uh, Because I've always wondered, I honestly have always wondered at that, because I remember when uh, it was a a while after, I don't know, maybe a few months after we met, but you had mentioned, you know, kind of want to do the chocolate thing. I'm like, well, that's cool, you know, good for you. (laughs) And then, however long it was later, I get this announcement, and it's like, hey, I'm going to open the cocoa tree, and I was like, what?
1: (laughs) She actually did it. She did it. Yep you know, when I, when I drive towards something, there's nothing stopping me. I will not, I will not quit. I even, even just trying to, my rational mind cannot, cannot quit with, with my will. My will is just so strong. And I ran into so many roadblocks and just kept plowing through and pretty recklessly actually. And I think that's, almost the only way you can make anything happen of any significance to break through the noise that's out there today. But yep. it was quite the journey and I, you know, I wouldn't take back any of it at all because I love, I love what it's become. I love the story of it. I love, I, I love every part of it, but I guess what you were saying before is the um, humanity of Christ, the reason that I chose chocolate and, and in some strange way, just the way that this interview is going, it's all like tying together in a way that I haven't even really noticed it before. Uh, because I think that is ultimately very true that when I left that small town and when I realized what I had been taught and the simple minded things and the just, and and it's not, and these are wonderful people it's just that i was i was cornered and and put into a box and expected to stay there and i let myself be there thinking that that was okay and that was for me and so to literally break out of that and and see that I didn't even fit in the Christian songwriting industry <laughs> once I got out <laughs> of the box. Now, now that is frightening. And then where do you go from there? And just say, okay, what what God? You know, because I I'm so I guess what's the word when it's uh, when you're not standard, you're off the beaten path but you're I don't know like I don't know not a rebel with God but I just have seen the side of him that flip side like the coin that you're talking about I've seen the flip side and it's the other side of the coin and it's a side of grace and it's a side of humanity and it's a side that where God is saying I created you you are human it's for a reason it's okay I am here and I just think that chocolate conveys that story in such a wonderful way because it's so messy and it's so delicious and it's so uh, just divine and decadent and all of those things that, that life can be and God gave it to us, you know, for us to enjoy. And I just love that. When I really, when I knew that it was the cocoa tree, and I knew that it was God calling me to that, I knew that I could go forward, and no matter how reckless of a way, that it, it was going to be okay, and not that I'm telling anybody to do that with their life, because goodness, you know, you, now I've gone to business school, I've got my business degree, and it turns out I did everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And I still might argue for what I did because in some ways, you know, they academically, they teach you the right way to do it. And I feel like that's the way everybody is trying to do it. And so unless you have something incredibly brilliant or incredibly innovative or incredibly good, like my chocolate is, um, or or the story or something you're just you're just not going to stand out. It's just I don't know. Business one hundred and one is just it's just boring. Well, but, yeah,
0: it's, it's business one hundred and one is here's a round hole. Be round exactly. Be a round exactly. peg. Be a round yeah.
1: And and in business school, I found that I'm still a square peg. Which, gosh darn it, Gregory, <laughs> <laughs> you're just bringing all the analogies home tonight. <laughs> But yes, I mean, that's the thing. I think in business school, what I learned is, oh, this is what they're looking for. I can do that in my own way. But I didn't know what they were looking for when the bank would ask me certain questions or when investors would ask me certain questions. I didn't really know what they were trying to get to the bottom of until I went to business school and then I'm like, oh, okay. I can see, like, I I get it. I understand. I remember conversations where someone had asked me that, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Like a SWOT analysis. Had I done a SWOT analysis? What in the heck is that? I, how can how can you know that unless you go to business school or mm-hmm. read up on business with you know in the back of Barnes and Noble or whatever? Right. But. It's those kinds of things that I learn. And once you know, once you can speak their language and once you know what they're looking for, then even if you are a square peg, you can at least go, okay, I know who I am, but I know what you're looking for. So I can bridge that gap and help you assimilate your world into mine, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do right now.
0: Well, I'm glad that you have returned
1: Yes, me too, and it's really, <laughs> it's really interesting, because to be back in the exact same place that I started 14 years ago, it is just crazy, because it's almost like God is saying, okay, here you go, <laughs> start over with all the experience, <laughs> the business degree, now see what you can do, and um, I'm definitely doing things just so much different than I did the first time and it's it's really crazy to think about wow i i actually got somewhere doing it a different way and now that i'm kind of reshaping things um it's going to be interesting to see where that goes
0: yes so well hoping- and the, and the and the first round it confirms that you've got some natural talent um
1: i definitely agree with that I definitely because, that what...
0: because you achieved a lot in that first round. And and those of you who don't know, let me try to recap this and then correct me if I'm wrong. So you started the Cocoa Tree 14 years ago in the corner of a deli in downtown Franklin. Yep. Grew to where you had your own space like 100 yards away on, on Main, Main Street. Street in downtown mm-hmm. Franklin. Yep. And then you went... Off of Main Street mm-hmm. into an old house that was converted into a cafe, restaurant, something? Yeah.
1: We converted it ourselves.
0: Oh, you did it yourself. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you went to Germantown neighborhood mm-hmm. of Nashville before Germantown was cool. So you actually had a hand in making Germantown cool.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome to think of it like that. Yes. Yeah. And that's right. That's the way that it went. And And then know, it the, fell apart.
0: Or, or something something happened because... well, you know
1: it fell apart several times along the way, and that's what's so interesting and okay. that it's such a it's such a great product and it's such a great brand, just the lifestyle brand and it just lives and breathes and and the and the chocolate is so great and the story is so alive and that's what people want that's what people identify with they don't want an empty brand they want something that's real they want a person who's you know, behind it. And, you know, they, I think people identify with a, a woman starting her own business, learning how to make chocolate, defying the odds, going against the European model of what chocolate is and just braving the, the new rock and roll terrain with my guitar and, and just doing it the way that, that makes sense to me. And um, that's the only way I've been able to do it, because I've never been able to have someone teach me. I've only been able to observe things on on YouTube or on the Food Network channel or in a book that I read or whatever. But I had to assimilate it all and practice it all. And the going from building to building. Now, the first move to Main Street was awesome. It was glorious. It was everything I wanted I would have stayed in that building my whole life and been successful, but the building had environmental issues. And that just goes back to a lack of, um, due diligence when, when you don't know anything better and you're just like, Oh, a building. Great. (laughs) (laughs) This is perfect. Let's move in. But, um, it turned out that the whole back wall of the building was leaking and there was actually black mold growing upstairs where my children were living Oh, that's and, right, because
0: you guys literally moved into that building.
1: Yes. Cap- we, cafe downstairs
0: and yep. residents upstairs.
1: Yep. Wow. And I mean, there was nothing better in, in my world than to lay upstairs in my bed at night because sometimes I'd go to bed before it closed down below and just hearing people just laugh and just have the best time and hearing the music down below. It was just, it was really a magical time of life and I had one of my babies up there story, which she's now 12 years old, but, uh, I, I birthed her up there. And so that, that building is just so, it's just such a part of me. And even when I walk past it now, I just, I just long to be a part of it and to go in it. And, you know, if I had $5 million, I would fix up that building and, Go for it again, but that's the thing. Is the first time I did that, and this is what I would caution anyone against: is don't do this. Don't do what I did. I I got the money that I needed from friends and family to open on Main Street, and then I opened with zero dollars in the bank. (laughs) And so you're basically you're just living on the fish from the day, you know, hand to mouth. You're living on what comes in the front door, and the thing is, is it was so successful that there was money coming in, but my chocolate orders were all of a sudden $6,000. My payroll was, you know, $4,000 and oh my goodness. And then there was payroll taxes, which I knew nothing about. I was just paying my employees and all of a sudden I get a notice that I owe employee tax. Yeah. And Gregory, I didn't even know what that was. Oh, wow. And so Yeah, that'll catch it's, you it's off the, guard
0: if you're, not, <laughs> if you're not expecting it.
1: Oh yeah, $4,000. And so like it was like a paycheck from the household, a household paycheck went into paying the payroll tax. It was just such a roller coaster ride and just so crazy. It was so successful but so reckless and I just, I don't know how we made I don't know how we made it through <laughs> um you know, alive, honestly. <laughs> but it, you know, and it's some of the best memories of my life making, you know, 20,000 truffles in in one weekend because we got a a big corporate order that we had to fill and just, I mean, just craziness. But then once we moved from that building off uh, Main Street onto Third Avenue, it was never the same because you just don't get the same foot traffic.
0: Yeah, it's it's around the corner, but it's Mm -hmm. off the path.
1: It's off the path. Yep. And it's just so hard to get people to go off the path. And, you know, that's another thing that I've, that I've learned. And then when the Franklin store closed, that's because I lost ownership. I lost, um, which that's another lesson. Never do this. I sold more than 50% away because I needed money to open again on 3rd Avenue. And so someone else became the controlling partner. And mm-hmm. we just didn't agree. And things did not go well. And ended up closing it down, sadly. Mm. But then uh, found another partner who was amazing and saw the potential and helped me open in Germantown in Nashville. And and that was so successful. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful time in life was to watch the cocoa tree flourish in Nashville in the way that it did.
0: That was such a great space.
1: Yeah. Even we, during the We recession.
0: loved going through. Actually, we would go to the neighborhood. Oh, we just happened to be near the cocoa tree.
2: Yeah. Darn. Oh.
1: How'd my
0: that God. happen?
1: I know. It's just, you know, one of those things where I I long to be back in those, some of those spaces. And have, a, have another go at it, but it's just, you know, a new season in life, and I'm so glad to be back in the, in the little space and just starting over and seeing what it can be this time if I set the models up right and pursue the right opportunities in the order that makes the most sense for profitability. I know that the first time around, I was concentrated on making something wonderful, and that's what I did. And now that I know that I can do that, this time around, Gregory, I want to make it profitable.
0: (laughs) And wonderful.
1: (laughs) That's the goal. It's already wonderful. Wonderfully profitable. Profitable. And, um, you know, because everyone was getting paid. I was even getting a small paycheck. But it's not that opportunity that you think of when you think of chasing the American dream and you're going to have your own business that's going to be successful. And all of those things happen. But then, where's the payoff? You know, where's the the money that's going to make it all worth it for my family and for me? And I just never got there, and it's it's hard to get there with chocolate.
0: Yeah, well, that's the E myth. Oh. Um, have you read that book, The E myth?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite anecdotes from that from that book, and and I, I have to confess, my first uh, sweet love is pie. Uh, Fruit pie.
2: So you
1: loved that book.
0: Oh, well, I I loved it, but I didn't love what I heard happened to the pie maker. Um, Oh, You know, it's like, I love pies. I love pies. I want to go into the pie business. And then all of a sudden, this pie maker is no longer making pies because the pie maker now has to make hay while the sun's shining. Um, Yes. And then falls out of love with pies. I'm like, no, sad time.
1: Yes. Um, But in my instance... And, and this is the thing is when when the, the, the people that invested and um, bought out, you know, my majority when I was in, in Franklin, they were, we all talked the same language on that book. We were all like on the same page with that book. And what they failed to realize about me that I already knew about myself, but I, they did not see it or did not want to recognize it was I was not the technician. I'm not the pie maker. I'm not the chocolate maker. Yes, that's something that I taught myself that I, I really have enjoyed and I love to do. And I love it that I can make these amazing chocolates. But that's not where I see myself in five years. I see myself growing a company. I see myself on top of that, teaching someone to make the the, the truffles, um, staffing, you know, scaling up, all of those things. That's what excites me. I'm, I'm more than happy to let that technician role go and let somebody else make those truffles, you know, because I love the other stuff. I love the other stuff, but you can't do both for sure. And that's where like being back in the small, in the small space now where I'm having to do everything again, it's, it, it's daunting. And if I didn't know, if I didn't believe in what I think is coming, if I didn't know what I've already seen and what I already believe that it can be, I would want to quit seriously right now at this moment because it's hard, it's very, very hard, and it's it's harder than I even thought it would be when I thought about starting over hmm. and so i'm you know there are days that I'm just exhausted and I find myself just overwhelmed with the family and with everything that has to get done in in the shop and then the truffles still have to be we still run out of truffles and then you know how did that happen how did we run out of bethany's i just made bethany's you know how did we run out of samson's i just made samson's and to have i just to set
0: those out an hour ago
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it's just crazy and all i'm able to do is small batches and and that's that's not where I want to be. I I don't want to be in that small batch stage. I want to be in the warehouse stage where I'm putting together a way to make them, you know, more, more economically and faster and be able to meet the demand of a market that I know is out there. It's just that it's a fine line between getting to that market before you're ready for it and timing it right, because I can't kill myself and make truffles 24 hours a day to, you know, break into whole foods regionally. Right. You know, need, I need the equipment and I need all of that to fall into place. And that's, you know, another $500,000 investment for somebody. And, you know, I, I'm just going one step at a time and, and hoping that I find those things and those things can fall into place when it's, the right time and just trusting god really
0: yeah i remember uh back in i'll call it phase one um, after my chocolate addiction was deeply rooted into my soul (laughs) i went to chicago and we were walking along this part of town i and, and i honestly don't even remember what the area was called but it was a it was kind of a northern version of franklin main street but it wasn't southern; it was northern. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. you know there did. there was a movie theater, there were coffee shops, there were restaurants, there were clubs, there there were little boutiques and all this stuff, and there was a chocolatery there. And I was like, "Ooh, I could go for some chocolate." So we went in, and you probably know the name of it. I don't, I don't recall it. But and, and I walked in, and this place was super crisp. It was done up. I mean it felt like an ice cream parlor meets a martini shop. Mm. And the truffles were delicious or the the chocolates were delicious and they tasted great and I tell you I got hung up on something when I was there. Well, for one, it wasn't yours. Uh, and I felt like I was cheating on the cocoa tree. Um, <laughs> two.
1: I know it's a Bose. It's a Bose's chocolate.
0: The the thing about it is I could tell they were made by a machine. Yeah. Because they were stamped, stamped as in uh, formed. Yeah. Um. They were every every little. It was like a chocolate widget. Because totally. they they all looked alike. Yep. And I thought, you know, I I get this from a scale standpoint and uh the just the whole business side of things but there was it just lacked the hand-rolled truffle feel
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and that was easily who 10 12 years ago and that, it has it stuck with me that's what i think of when mm-hmm. i think about going to that chocolate shop yep Aside from, it, it, I was there with you, brings, my my great friends and all this stuff, and it was delicious. And I was like, mm, "Give me, give me a cocoa tree truffle, like now."
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you know what it is? What I really think that it is is the there's so much beauty in randomness and like you know, like in nature, how leaves will fall to the ground and it's not manufactured. It's not mass produced. They just fall wherever they want and it's beautiful. Yes. And that's how I do my truffles is one at a time. They're, they're every single one of them is random because they're hand rolled. So it's never perfect. And then the topping always falls in a different way because it's not, it's not put on by a machine or it's not stamped on or whatever. And I, I honestly think that that's what one of the things that makes them so appealing is they're so randomly beautiful because they're all the same, but they're different. And so there's just something about that that I think is is worth something. There really
0: is. And and that that imperfection, that randomness, Mm -hmm. that uniqueness, we will call it the good meaning of a snowflake. Not the negative social term that it has become, (laughs) but the uniqueness of just the single, that will never be done again Mm
2: -hmm. in the
0: exact same way.
1: Exactly. That's
0: how I feel about an aspect of photography when it comes to retouching. I know how to retouch pores off of a face. Mm -hmm. I know how to re-sculpt a face. And I've done it, and it bugs the crap yeah. out of me. I do it to a degree now, but not near the degree that I can mm-hmm. or that I used to. And one of the reasons I don't shoot that that clientele is because, no, there's, there's beauty in the imperfections. Yes. And there's a uniqueness in the imperfections, and it... It just, it really bugs me. So now now my thing, and I don't want to turn this about me, but I just want to finish this analogy. Now my approach to retouching is if it's a blemish, temporary blemish that's going to be gone in a day or two, I'll take it off.
2: Yeah, Easy peasy. A-
0: because nature is going to do that also. Yep. Yeah. That skin blemish is going to heal. And yeah. the real beauty is going to be restored. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, when somebody comes in and wants me to, hey, can you can you, can you give me like a little tummy tuck or a facelift or you, whatever? I'm like, but, yeah. Yeah. But no. Totally. Because that's not who you are.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I'm glad you do that. And, you know, I think, um, you know, just to bring that back around, I think that that's largely one one thing that I've done right and I know like Taylor Swift which I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan cuz she's just incredibly brilliant and she has this new song on her new reputation album but it's um she says I did one thing right I got one thing right like and she she's very uh with her lyrics she's she's very picky and she would never repeat something twice unless she really wanted to but she got one thing right And, and I just so identify with that because I feel like the one thing that I have gotten right all along is I was myself through this whole process with, um, the integrity of who I am approaching the chocolate has never changed because it can't change because it's who I am. And so it's like there, there's there's no way that it will change because it's my perspective and i stay true to that and so it's truly like an artist approaching uh you know a canvas or or any any artistic medium it's just that i'm doing it with chocolate and and flavor and um and it's so rewarding but it's and it's so um It's so, I guess, fulfilling because nobody can take that away from me. I I can make those choices. And um, I think that that's been such a, a healing thing for me in my lifetime because, you know, again, we go back to liberal Kansas and the way that I was raised. And when when people are telling you all the time that you're wrong because of ways that you're thinking um. And, and things that you say that are that are too compassionate or too merciful, or maybe you thought God was supposed to be one way and people are telling you no. And, you know, and that you, as a young kid and a young adult, you just take those hits and you don't, you don't really have the ability to stand up for yourself and to know where the truth is. But, you know, as, as an adult and as I've grown into a uh, chocolate and my, my journey with chocolate has been so entwined with my journey with God. And I've learned so many things about God through chocolate, because if we open ourselves up to God, he will teach us in whatever our vocation is, whatever our career is, whatever our interests are. If we just open ourselves up, God is right there to, to make all the analogies for us. And I think that, just learning to be myself with chocolate has been just the best journey of the best journey of my life besides having children and watching the children grow and being a mom but it's just that one thing right kind of thing that i come back to that i i'm looking forward to seeing where that goes on this you know phase 2 of the cocoa tree
0: well, I think you'll see it.
1: I hope so. I really do. I hope so. You know, I, mean, I you, don't. I you, don't.
0: You saw it, or at least hints of it, in the first round.
1: Oh yeah. There's totally. really no
0: reason that it can't come around again. Yeah. Or, I mean... or you can't make decisions that lead to it being able to come around again, or recognizing it as it happens, or making it happen. Um, right. Or all of the above.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Just making it happen. And then I've always told my children know this and that they, they have already, they've already passed this wisdom along to other other people. And it's really not wisdom. But it's really funny because it's what I've taught my children and my oldest, you know, Jesse Lyric. She was like, Mom, you'd be proud of me. I gave your advice the other day. And I'm like, what advice was that? And she goes, fake it till you make it. And I'm <laughs> like, Jesse Lyric. <laughs> but she said, no, mom, that's what you taught me. And it's right. You just got to get out there and you just got to fake it till you make it. And it, I'm like, it,
0: it, yes. And, huh? and it's funny you mentioned that because um, my mentor from college, who incidentally is the reason I am in Nashville, his motto is, drum roll, fake it till you make it.
2: Are you kidding me? I
0: first heard that that statement <laughs> from him when I was in college.
2: <laughs> That's so funny. <clears throat> which,
0: you know, and, and there's an element of, yes, but shouldn't you be prepared? And shouldn't you go to the woodshed and practice your craft and blah, 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 blah?
1: Absolutely. Yes. But yes. it's the
0: difference between playing notes on a page, like classical music,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is amazing and improv jazz.
1: Yes, yeah, totally.
0: Both are necessary.
1: Yeah.
0: One is a little more free flowing and which is ironic because in jazz you can't really fake it because you got to you you have to have had hours upon hours upon hours of bullshit. Oh, which it, for real. Yeah. You've got to know your craft big time in order Yeah. To fake it and improv and go with the flow and make things happen spontaneously, um, which again comes back to the two-sided coin.
2: I think, oh, I think yes. it's both.
0: I think it's both. So um, in the first round, you were, is it safe to say that you were operating on one side of the coin, the fake it till you make it, and you did make it
1: to a degree? Yeah, to a degree. I did make it. I mean, the thing is, is where I'll I'll never forget the day. And it's really, really a defining moment in deciding to close the Germantown location is I realized at the moment that Whole Foods called and they gave me, you know, the news that I had been wanting and waiting to hear, which was, Bethany, we want to take your product um, regional. Now it's done well in the state of Tennessee. And so we need you to drop ship a pallet of your peanut butter bites to our uh, dis- distribution center in Atlanta. And and I, Gregory, I had no way of doing that. Yeah. I mean, and, and if, if I was going to make a pallet, I, I figured that out and it was like 13,000 peanut butter bites, right. Or something like that. I don't remember the math exactly, but it was something like that. And in, in order for me to do that, the, just the labor cost and, and just the room that I would need to get it done. Cause if I do it on just two work tables with one tempering machine, it, it was going to take me a month to get it done with everything. With, with doing
0: nothing else.
1: Right. Well, I mean, no, with, with what I had to do in the shop, it was going to take me a month okay. as a side to get them done, but you can't do it that way i I can't you can't load it you can't make a pallet in a month you need to make a pallet from what's in the in the reserves that just goes out the door you don't build a pallet one peanut butter bite at a time and then by the time you get the pallet full the product that you started with is already a month old right and it only has a three-month shelf life and and so all of this just came crashing down and i realized in this moment Wow, the success that I wanted, the notoriety, the the phone call that I wanted, the you know that level of success—it's right here, and I have no way to really capitalize on that, no way at all. And so, it was just such a frustrating moment, and I knew. I would think
0: frustrating is an understatement.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean for real I can think of
0: a few other words that start with f that would probably yeah, be more for descriptive. Real.
1: But you know, it was I was also going through a divorce at the time which was which was just world sh- world shattering to me. I I I just didn't know where up was at that moment and I think that both of those things combined and the fact that our lease was about to be up and we needed to renew it we just decided, you know what? This isn't the model that's going to take us to that next level of success. Yes, we want a cafe, you know, the the chocolate cafe. We want that, but it has to be paired with a warehouse concept where we're able to produce on a larger scale. I don't ever want it to be so mass produced that they don't, that they lose that thing that you're talking about, you know, and and I know how to do it. I good, just, good. Um, because
0: I, I, I almost hesitated describing that because I want you to be able to scale up and do, honestly, whatever the hell you want to with your. I mean, it's your chocolate. Yeah. Um, but at the same it, time, I was it, like, I want it to be, I want it. To, it can be machine made, uh, but I would love for it to at least feel like it's handmade.
1: <laughs> and it will. It can. It can be both, honestly, in the in the best ways that, and and it's a matter of me being able to mad scientists, put it together also and say, okay, that's how you use this equipment. I'm going to use it like this because I want a different result than you have. Right. And so, you know, and kind of just being able to learn it, um, in a unique way, you know, and again, that's cutting through that noise and being, 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 Unique because you have no other option because you're not learning it from someone else. You're saying, I'm doing something new here and I need to be able to, you know, revamp some, some equipment in a way to make it work for what I'm trying to do, you know? Yeah. So it's it harder, but it's certainly exciting. And I love that kind of challenge. It's so exciting to me.
0: Well, it's that innovation that will lead to the end result that you're looking for.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's so funny about my personality. Here's a fun story for you. So we did the pop-up restaurant, my first pop-up restaurant. Um, it was sold out. We did this, a 6 o'clock seating. We sold out 42 tickets. It was a wonderful, wonderful uh, feeling of accomplishment that that 42 people wanted to pay $75 to come taste my cocoa-rubbed steak, right? My cuisine. This is my new venture from just doing confections and truffles to, you know, venturing out into the real food world. Right. And so I'm, I'm planning this, I'm putting the menu together, I'm experimenting, I'm getting the flavors just right. And I'm, I'm just great. I mean, it's going to be great. And I'm, I'm a little worried, but I think it's going to be okay. And so then it gets to the point where 42 people are seated in, in the mercantile. They've had their their chocolate butter, which was divine. Oh, my word. Their warm bread and their salad and their, their loving life, and they've had some wine. And it's the point where I'm supposed to put 42 steaks on the grill, right? My cocoa rub steaks on the grill. And we're putting them on the grill, and I'm realizing – bethany this might not go well (laughs) (laughs) like like this is my freak out moment this is the first time that i have thought this that this has gone through my head is this might not go well (laughs) like there is a chance that this could go very badly (laughs) and i i panicked for about 30 seconds and then i got it back together because i thought well what else am I going to do? I got to send these steaks out the door. And so then we got, we sent 42 steaks out the door in three and a half minutes. And the reviews were unbelievable. I mean, I went back out there sheepishly because I didn't know what the response was going to be. I mean, I knew I thought it was great, but you always think your baby is beautiful, right? Of course. And, uh, I walked out into the room and people were applauding. Oh I mean,
0: man, that's fantastic.
1: It was unbelievable. It, it embarrassed me and I don't get embarrassed with applause. I, I like that, you know, but it was just so unexpected and people were, I mean, person after person, this is the best steak I've ever had. Wow. I cannot believe you pulled this off. This is not kitschy. This is not, in- this is, this is so perfect and and so perfectly cooked and so delicious in every way. And, man, it felt good. So it, it didn't go badly, but it, it could have. <laughs>
0: they they had an Alfred Molina moment in the store window.
1: <laughs> yes, they did. And they they're, and they were fighting for, okay, when are you going to do this again? Almost every table. We want you to t- to tell us first. <laughs> because they didn't want it to be sold out before they had a chance to do the next one. So, so is the next one scheduled? The next one, I believe we are doing on uh, St. Patrick's Day. That's March 17th. I believe it's a Saturday evening. And we want to do some kind of colloquial fun, like, beer um, beer paired with chocolate and some chocolate cuisine. I don't have my head wrapped around it yet, but I know it's going to be really fun and really good. So um, I, I believe we've already put it on the books with graham in the mercantile but we haven't um done any publicity for it yet
0: nice well don't you have a guinness truffle
1: i do oh you're so good i do girl i'm telling
0: you it's i mean it It is is rooted into my soul
1: (laughs) oh it is so good and that's the flavor of the month for march so you'll be so happy of course yes as it should yep I named that after Daryl because he used to own the pub in downtown Franklin and that was the very first commercial kitchen that I worked in was his pub and so I um I just named it after him because I was just so thankful that he let me have that opportunity to work in his kitchen and so yeah that's my so that's favorite how Irish
0: pub by the way
1: I know it's so fun Girl, I love so that place it is. It's such a great place. It's so, like, authentic and, and
2: wonderful.
0: Let's take a quick break for a nonprofit spotlight, handpicked just for you by our guest.
2: Billions of dollars are spent in the name of charity, and yet millions of Africans suffer from diseases due to lack of clean drinking water and proper sanitation. Also, many Africans suffering from HIV and AIDS lack access to the most basic forms of health care. But what happens when we go beyond charity? What happens when we creatively partner with communities in Africa and in America? In the US, lemonade stands, car washes, and bake sales take the place of foreign aid, corporations, and billionaires. In Africa, community groups, hygiene training, and local ownership take the place of handouts, pity, and rescue. Hope happens. Bloodwater Mission is partnering with people like you to bring change in your own community in order to bring change to those in Africa. Fathers and mothers, students, teachers, artists, people just like you will all have the chance to partner with someone not so unlike you a continent away. People empowered by the knowledge that one dollar can provide an African with clean water for an entire year. Take the first step. Visit bloodwatermission.com and see how you can get involved.
0: So recap uh some okay, you talked about your uh cocoa rubbed steak success yeah um but in phase one round one uh version one, um you had some other like really cool successes where you made it um yeah on numerous occasions
2: uh-huh. um
0: I want to go some to go for memory won't not be chronological, but you designed a chocolate dress, uh-huh. Yep. Uh, how what?
1: <laughs> I know. Well, when, when I had gone to New York City to, um, when I first decided to do chocolate, I went to New York City to the New York City Chocolate Show, which is an annual event. And um, I just wanted to see what everyone else was doing. That sounds and,
0: like heaven.
1: Oh, it was amazing. And part of the event was an actual runway where models, real models, wore chocolate dresses down the runway, and these dresses were exquisite. Mm. And they were, the requirement was, it had to be 60% chocolate, and then 40% of whatever you needed to, you know, to construct it, you know, with to make sure it was going to stay on, right? Mm-hmm. And um, And so... I just saw all those dresses and I thought, I want to do that someday. I want to do that. And I never thought that I could um, because it seemed so out there to me. But uh, two years later, I um, I just decided that, you know what, I have, I've got to put myself out there. I've got to take some chances and get some notoriety, get some press, but also... I just like the challenge of doing something that is um, where I just don't know how it's going to go. I I just can't explain it. But so I called in and nominated myself and uh, they said, you have to send in a sketch and that they would let me know who, you know, who the finalists were. So they actually called me and said that they wanted my dress and it was crazy. I ended up, making the, so everyone else had a professional kitchen that they were working in because these are chocolatiers from all over the world and I was working in a hotel room to make my dress because I didn't have a kitchen and it this is in New York City I was literally making it in a hotel room on on the partly on the floor and partly on the bed and this isn't going to be eaten by anybody you know it's just it's just a dress is to be worn on the runway and I
0: Alfred Molina would have eaten it.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you know, I ate part actually, you know, as as the little things came uh, as the little panels came off, I would eat them, but Like oops. It, it was so, damaged. It was spectacular. <laughs> it, it was beautiful and it went the way it was supposed to go. And when she when our model walked up on the runway, the announcer um he was with Food Network. He stopped me and he said, Bethany, yours is the best dress here. I want you on Food Network Challenge. Can I give you a call? And I was like, sure. Here's and my so, number. Yeah, I mean, so then I got that call and was able to go on Food Network Challenge and do the Statue of Liberty. And that was another crazy, you know, adventure. You know, it's just those kinds of things that I believe that, you know, it inspires me. And it, it, it helps me continue to push myself and continue to be creative. And I think that also inspires other people because you can see the things that you can do with chocolate and the things that one person can do if they put their mind to it. And, um, I'm, I'm just the type of person I'm willing to take that risk. Um, and, and just see what happens and it, it might be fantastic and it, it it might be horrible <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but um so far it's it's worked out you know every time so um that so that's good L- We'll hope that trend keeps going
0: yeah wow, that's so great and surely you've got like video of all the food network stuff and the chocolate dress
1: mm-hmm. you've got yeah, that I for think-
0: posterity's sake right
1: yeah I do I have I have all of that yep tucked away somewhere. You know, it's it's interesting how all the kids and you know this, you think that your accolades and your shining moments of your life are gonna be about your career and the medals and the the accomplishments and things, but then you find your your kids artwork plastered on the walls and their, you know, latest test where they, you know, tested ninety nine percent out of the country and in um, reading, which is what Manhattan just did. And she's an 11th grade level reader and she's only in fourth grade. And Excellent. and those are the kinds of things that are pinned up around the house. And yes. those are the kinds of things that you find so much joy and pleasure and satisfaction in. And the other is, is wonderful, but it's just, you know, it's just secondary to, to that very important thing that's going on that's actual life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so glad that I'm connected to my life in such a way that I didn't lose my children and I didn't lose all of those wonderful days and and, and moments with them because I went off and chased a career that, you know, took me someplace away from my away from my kids you know I've balanced it every step of the way I've said no I'm not doing that because I have a, a kindergarten graduation that night and that's more important to me and you know making those choices and being able to make those choices I think is the reason why you want to be a small business owner you know it's why you want to have your own business is so you can be your own boss but it's also just so important to never lose sight of the fact that you have a family that's growing right under you, right under your wing and and the time just flies and and you can blink and miss it. And so just taking every opportunity to to champion the kids and their accomplishments has been really a greater joy if that could even be possible than than the cocoa tree for yeah. me.
0: Yeah it definitely flies by My oldest is eight. Uh, She turned eight in the end of September. And sometime in the month of October or November recently, she said something just conversationally. And she said, Daddy, for my ninth birthday... And then she went on and completed the sentence. But all I heard was, Daddy, for my ninth birthday... And I'm like, nine.
1: I know. That's
0: halfway to 18.
1: Yes. And it goes. Oh,
0: my word. We are halfway to launch. Well, technically we're not. We're halfway plus a year because she had just turned eight. It was just this massive reality check. Mm I was like, daddy, for my ninth birthday. I was like, oh, wow. It goes so fast
1: so fast and you can't get those years back and you know one thing that's so rewarding about the cocoa tree and chocolate is they can be right there you know i i teach them things they they're able to be there with me and you know that's that's wonderful too is to have a, a business that your kids can grow up in you know yep.
0: yeah and it was so, nice to uh to see manhattan again cuz i've not i had not seen her since she was an infant uh, i i came home uh of course, I didn't tell Megan where I was until Valentine's the next day. Um, but I said, yeah, I got to meet Manhattan. And she's like, oh, my gosh, she would have been a baby last time we met her. I was like, yeah. Yep. She gave me a hug when they when I left. I'm like, that was so sweet. That
1: was so sweet. <laughs> she's the sweetest kid. She's, she's a sharp is, one. She is very sharp. I'm so glad I named her Manhattan. She lives up to her name. I knew she would.
0: That's very cool. What is on the horizon for the cocoa tree and...
1: Bethany? I really am hoping that we're going to get a warehouse. um, I'd like a, like a 3000 square foot warehouse where we can scale up a little bit and do some, you know, some mail order. And that way we can open up the e-commerce lane, which we need to, and um, do some, I'd love it, had a little chocolate tasting room where we could do some events in there and, you know, just, just be able to scale up. I, I really want to start tackling the wholesale element and see where we can go with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Knowing now what you maybe didn't know then.
1: Right. In the exactly. first phase. Right. Yeah, it can happen. That's exactly right. It yep. can happen. I think it can.
0: I mean, you yep. did it once.
1: Yep. I mean, it's it again a great when, product. when the time is right. Yes. Yep. The product speaks speaks for itself. You know, it's a great brand. I really feel like it's just a matter of time. So just put the time in and and be faithful and you know just see what see what comes next. I'm I'm just as curious as you are. I'll be ready. I'll be ready when it when it comes knocking.
0: Good. Well that's really cool. I well I I definitely hope the warehouse thing happens and that you can Me make too. it happen because that seems to be a, a launch pad that that yep. needs to be built to help get everything else off the ground.
1: Yep. That's what I think.
0: And until then there's that corner spot. Yep. In the deli where it all began. Yep. I was I was so excited when I saw you post last fall the the question of okay, who remembers where we first started? I'm like,
1: I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun game. That was fun. You know you know your true fans when they can answer that one.
0: Yep. Well, I'm I'm definitely a fan of, of the chocolate and a fan of you and your vision and your liberalness and all of that stuff.
1: <laughs> well thank you. I appreciate it. This has been fun. Well,
0: good. There you have it. If you enjoyed this, subscribe and share with your friends. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Collected Clan and subscribe. See more in the show notes for this episode at CollectedClan.com slash Bethany Torino. And a big shout out to my friends Worldwide Groove Corporation for this episode's original music. The song is Mimosa from their album "Chiladesiac Lounge Volume 1. Check out more of their music at WorldwideGrooveCorporation.com. Now go be you.